now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Hi there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Whole Home Show. I'm Tony Joe. I'm your host here every week, bringing you tips, education, and updates on home-related matters. Whether you're in the real estate market or if you're looking for improvement ideas, things to do around your home, this is a great place to be. Our show comes to you every week with the support of our show partners, Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, J.P. Sellers, insurance advisor at Westland Insurance, the Sitka Law Group for your real estate, wills and estates, corporate and personal injury needs, and Silhouette Home Inspections with Pierre Bove. If you need help or direction in your real estate transaction, give any of the whole home show team members a call. They would love to hear from you. It's been my pleasure being your host here every week uh, for the last four years now and over 200 episodes. I've been selling real estate here in Greater Victoria since 1991. I've handled hundreds of transactions in our fair city, and I'm proud to be ranked as one of the top producing REMAX agents in Western Canada and in Canada. I'd be happy to and pleased to help you as well, too, if you need any assistance uh, want a second opinion or just want to chat about real estate, give me a call or the rest of our whole home show team members. You can find our contact information by going to cfax1070.com, look under shows. There you'll find us, the whole home show with me, Tony Joe. All of their contact information and mine is there. They would be happy to hear from you. And by the way, if you're a podcast listener, you can find all of our previous episodes on iTunes or Google Play to listen at your convenience um really interesting time out there in the market you know this uh not only victoria but real estate in general never ceases to amaze and today we're having a conversation with one of our show partners very important and integral part of any real estate transaction that of course would be the building inspection we have with us again uh, our show supporter, Pierre Beauvais from Silhouette Building Inspections. Let's get Pierre on right now. Pierre, how are you doing? I'm great, Tony. Um, just before we started up here, we were talking about how things are kind of interesting. How are you finding things out there right now? Uh, well, we had a, we had a, it's been a while since we last spoke. Um, it is. It, we're busy, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, it, it's been, uh, it's been hundred percent full tilt, uh, all through spring, summer, um, and just starting to uh, maybe simmer a little bit. Um, I guess uh, listings are have have slowed down, not so much uh, on the inventory side. So, um, but no, we're still we're still chugging along for sure. Well, so we're of course we've been recording our our whole home show episodes during the pandemic. So we're recording this one uh, several days before it airs. We're going to have our September sales stats report by the time this episode airs. We are going to find that the inventory level is low already because. I mentioned last month, the month of August, it was an all-time low in inventory in Victoria, 1,190 listings. We don't get Decembers or Christmases that are that low. Like this is this is just uh, low, slim pickings, and you will see that the sales numbers are down, but it's the same story. I've been telling the story for months now. Yeah, of course, sales are down. It's not because nobody is buying or because the market uh, you know, is grinding to a halt. It's because there's nothing to buy. Like if you... You know, the analogy I've been using is a bakery. You know, you go to a bakery and if there's only one loaf on the shelf, that bakery is going to have a slow sales day, right? That's right. That's right. right. And it's time to restock the market. Well, a hundred percent. Oh my goodness. Give us more loaves of bread, right, Pierre? That's, that's right. Yeah. Yes. More, more groceries. Yeah. 
more groceries, more groceries. But you know what? What we're talking about today, um, and I, I'm not sure if we've covered this. Like, we, it's great having you on on a regular basis, but there's a number of items that are kind of the the big ones, the ones that people are most concerned about when it comes to uh, building inspection. And you know, we'll see where else we go from there because there is just so much to talk about here, right? So that's what we're going to be having a conversation about. The first thing that I want to bring up uh, to you, Pierre, is uh, an example to our listeners here. We had a pre-inspection done with you uh, a few weeks back on a property, right? Yes, yes, I recall. Okay. And you and I have talked about this on this program many times before, the importance of pre-inspections, because uh, we went to market. It was a busy segment, market segment. We did have uh, many showings. We did have multiple offers. And uh, at the end of the day, the buyer who ended up uh, purchasing the property, they had the opportunity to do their, their own inspection, but they didn't. They uh, received your pre-inspection mm-hmm. um, and they, they accepted the property uh, as is. And we got a great number for the house. And most importantly, our seller is very confident and very pleased because, I mean, there were things to any inspection report. Like you remember that one, there's stuff there, right? Nothing glaring. Yeah, right? no typical 60s home, I believe, that one. Yeah, um, but the thing is, um, giving that report to a buyer to read, they must still do their inspection. I mean, this doesn't uh, relieve the obligation of a buyer to do their perform their own due diligence, of course. Exactly. Right? Yeah, however, in a situation like this, uh, yeah, our seller's happy because they're like, you know, there's nothing, no secrets. We're not hiding anything. It's all out there uh, and they got a fantastic result. Yeah, it's full disclosure. We've, we've talked about it before. It's full disclosure, uh, being transparent. It, um, it's the way to play the game. I mean, it's, um, it, it keeps everybody above board and then there's no surprises and you, and you know you're dealing with real offers. Um, so no, it, it, it's good for, the, good for the buyer. It's good for the seller. It, um, it, it's great all around for sure. You, you know, and again, before we started up the uh, the program here today, you were also talking about sometimes sometimes when you're doing pre inspections, uh, you know, for instance, if it's offers next Monday and buyers have the opportunity to hire you to do a building inspection, sometimes you're 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 on top of other building inspectors at the same time, right? Oh yeah, all, all the time. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we and we all get along. I mean, we're all part of the same team, really. We're all yeah. working together. And so, um, no, it's quite often that we, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be doing a house uh, or a property and, uh, and we see colleagues out there. So, um, I mean, and that's just everyone doing their due diligence. It's, there's not much out there. And uh, if you've got that, um, that house or that property that's, that's people want, then uh, yeah, you're going to have multiple offers. You're going to have multiple inspections on it. So, and, uh, and I'm sure listeners might be wondering as well, too. And I, I know the answer to this question, but uh, you know, if you get like two or three inspections at a property, you guys figure it out. So you're not in the same place at the same time. And everyone's COVID, uh, uh, COVID health conscious, right? Yes. No, it's easy to stagger in a house. There's, uh, there's so many places, nooks and crannies to look at. It's fairly easy for, for somebody to do one floor, or the other floor, somebody to be doing the Outside. exterior, the roof. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it, it's not an issue for sure. Yeah. And we still, we still have to wear masks when there's people in the home anyways. So no, mm-hmm. it, um, yeah. it's good. Yeah, no, the, the inspection process. The, the other thing that, uh, that I think is really important for to people to consider is um, it is a tough market. It's, it's not a friendly market for, for buyers. And when people are faced with the prospect of writing an offer that is not conditional, you know, it's not only not conditional to financing, but also not conditional 
to building inspection. They know they got to make their offer clean in order to be competitive with the other offers. Uh, this is a toughie, you know? I mean, it's not, we're not just talking a $50,000 car or a $100,000 house. Houses were never a hundred thousand, by the way, when I started out, they were still 150,000, but anyways, <laughs> yeah. um, we're talking like a million bucks and people, yeah. people look at the house for 30 minutes and then they buy it. They don't see it again until they move in. There's just a, you know, uh, I can wow. imagine, I could imagine it'd be nerve wracking, but I think, um, it was the last show that we talked, um, about how much time, well, how much limited time you have before you need to make a, a decision. And, and like you say, you've only got a couple of days at the best to make these decisions. So uh, I think we were discussing uh, and you come up with a list, uh, a checklist so, mm -hmm. that you can be, so that you can be organized. Um, you, you recall, did we have that list? Oh yeah. There? And we actually, we had a listeners uh, uh, inquire in and I, and uh, the, we, we get, okay. Thanks for bringing that up again. Yeah. If any listener remembers that episode and wants the checklist uh, um, on your house, reach out to us because it would be happy to uh, to send it out to you. Well, Sorry. and and so important when when time is the essence, right? Like, I mean, and this way you know you're not missing anything. So, yeah, sometimes there may not be time for a home inspection, but you know, there's so many other items, uh, insurance, lenders, all sorts of items that uh, that you can get out of the way beforehand, so that way if that property does come up, um, then then you know you're you're sitting in a, in a better position. Fantastic. Uh, well, listen, we're having a conversation with Pierre Beauvais. He's our show sponsor with Silhouette Home Inspections. Uh, and uh, as a reminder, if you guys would like this little checklist, reach out to me, Tony at primeteam.ca or uh, find our page on cfax1070.com. Of course, it is the whole home show, which you're listening to right now. When we come back after our first break here, we're going to have a conversation about the big four. Or is it five? I don't know. There's big things. There's many. There's, There's many big, big ones. things to consider <laughs> with your home. Uh, need to take our break here. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. We're having a conversation with our show partner, Pierre Beauvais. Pierre is a building inspector with Silhouette home inspections. Always great having you here, Pierre. Thank, thank you, Tony. Always good Our, to be here. Oh, yes. Well, I mean, this is an important one. I mean, uh, people should be listening to this one, whether it's now when we're recording it or in the future, because, you know, we got 218 episodes on our podcast right now. And, you know, people can listen back to things that are important to them at the time, including, I, I sense this one will be an important one. They're all important, Tony. They're all, they're all important. Okay. Um, we talk about the big four. So there's, there's things that people should be concerned about with a home. And there they are, it depends on the vintage too. I mean, obviously you don't have as many concerns with a brand new house as you would for one that was built in 1930. Of course, you're not spending the same money too, right? That's right, that's right. Yeah, um, but there are some things and I wanna start off with one uh, that of course people know about but they don't really spend too much thinking uh, time thinking about and that is asbestos. So when you are in a home, um, what, what, are, what are the things that you're looking for in terms of asbestos? Well, that's, that's good that you brought that up, Tony. Um, there's, you know, we're, we're looking at everything from every system, from, from electrical to, to insulation to plumbing and everything else. Um, asbestos is one of those um, items that we don't actually inspect for. So when I say we don't inspect for it, we can't see it. 
But we do know that there are many items in homes. Uh, any home built before 1990 would have um, a number of building material that may contain asbestos. Um, we, we know that there are certain items that have been known to contain it. So we'll flag it for, the, for our clients to know. Um, I mean, to really determine whether or not it has any amount, any percentage of asbestos, it would have to get sampled and taken to a lab, which we don't do uh, in a building inspection. Um, Actually, just for listeners to know, there's there's no time. I mean, you you've got a punch list of so many things you got to do during an inspection, and and that would consume like your entire inspection, right? It it, it probably would. Yeah, you're you're absolutely correct. Um, and and asbestos um, is one of those big items. It, it has been known to be a deal killer, and not for the reason that the buyer doesn't want the house or they learn that they have asbestos in the house and they don't maybe particularly want asbestos in the house, but it's more of an insurance um, hurdle. So many, or even, or a lending hurdle, many lenders, many um, insurance uh, insurers out there may, may, it may cause friction. They may not want to lend or, or issue a policy if there is asbestos in the, in the building. So um, that sometimes can be what we know as a deal killer. So yeah, we'll, we'll flag items. I mean, asbestos, it's been around for a very long time. If you're buying a home, an older home, you can just assume that it has some level of asbestos. But again, it's not going to be a health hazard unless it's disturbed. So you have to keep that you in You know, mind. And, and it's because people often go, well, why do they put these dangerous things in our house? And I think we have to remember when we go back in time, asbestos was that miracle material. Oh yeah, was it was, used bull, in it was bulletproof. Yeah, you couldn't destroy it. it, it it's bulletproof. It made everything much stronger. You could make materials thinner. Um, it was the, it was the wonder material. So I mean, going back, flame retardant. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, everything. It was in it was in adhesives, glues, uh, flooring materials, ceiling tiles. Um, so we'll flag some of these items that we may we we know that may contain. Uh, it's not saying it has it for sure. Um, obviously, there's some insulations that have it, such as vermiculite. Um, there's also uh, some siding um, that you see on some of these older homes that came out in the 60s and 70s. It's kind of that um, maybe an 18 by 24 inch hard uh, cement fiber siding. Um, that one's kind of easy to spot. There's also a paint. By, by now, there's usually about six coats of paint over them, right? There, there probably is. You can yeah. actually really tell. Um, you, 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 can, you can pick it out because on the windowsills, they, you could never notch that type of fiberboard. So on the, what they'd often do is they'd actually chop off the windowsills. Um, so all the, all the horns would be missing. So, because they couldn't notch the, uh, the fiberboard. Oh. So that was what, that's one way that you can tell. Um, and it's very brittle. So it's usually cracked in multiple spots. Um, there's actually a paint too, that you see quite often. It's uh, a Kenatex, I believe is the brand. And it's very prickly in, in nature. If you were to like accidentally rub your knuckles alongside you, you'd, you'd gouge yourself right open. Um, but it was bulletproof. Like they would spray it on, on the, on the sashes, the windowsills, the, the siding, the sockets, the gutters, everything gets the, and, and that paint is being known to contain asbestos. So we'll, we'd flag that, but we would never say, um, say, you know, there's asbestos, be careful, you know, but again, you need to do your due diligence. You need to um, call your insurer and find out if this is going to become an issue. So this goes back to the checklist. Um, but yes, uh, asbestos is in almost, well, in almost any house built before 1990. So you just need to know that. Yeah, that is, that is generally the threshold. I mean, we teach that uh, in the, uh, the real estate course as well. 1990 is, is, is kind of that, uh, 
<clears throat> that date. That's now, right. And, and, and so, like, yeah, and it is that date. And so if you're doing any, and the, the issue comes to is if you're going to be doing any um, home improvements, any upgrading renovations or such, um, handling it has to be done by WorkSafe protocol. So when you're dealing with permits, um, before any municipality is going to issue that permit, they're going to require an assessment done uh, for hazardous material. Um, and it needs to be handled with as per WorkSafe protocol for for the employees. Um, yeah, you don't you, you don't you don't just pick up a, a shop vac and put on a, a N95 mask and do it yourself. No, this is this requires specialized removal. It does, yeah, it does as per WorkSafe. Um, and then now the bigger one too that's coming out um, is uh, is lead. So Ooh. we were talking about asbestos as a hazardous material, but now lead as well. Um, so if you're got some paint and, and you're going to start repainting and, and, and prepping and, and you know either scraping it or sanding it you got to be really careful and you've got to get the the, te- the the paint tested so that's another oh big Pierre actually it's, it's funny you bring that up because I I served on a committee uh here in town I don't want to mention which one but their office building mm-hmm. was in an old uh building that it was identified having lead paint and there were signs on the walls basically don't touch the walls right wow wow well yeah 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 i'm like wow that's something else uh you know well and and just to just to sidetrack a little bit we have just after a recent um visit with my family to uh to paris we were at the eiffel tower and um they're actually repainting it right now it's uh, they're painting it gold for the uh, 2024 olympics okay but so right now it's under scaffold sections of it and they're actually removing all the layers of paint which contains lead Oh, so imagine the jo- imagine the job. I mean, they're managing it very well. You, you can see all their blowers and all that. But um, yeah, now lead is is become the next yeah. hazardous material. Well, and again, when it comes to asbestos and lead, it's not like people intentionally put these bad products in houses to hurt people. It's just that's what it was at the time, right? That's right. That's right. But to go, but to yeah, to bring it all back, um, it's invisible. I mean, asbestos fibers. Um, when you see that dust floating in the air through the sunlight, um, as, or asbestos fibers is even smaller than that. Like it's it's naked to the human eye, so um, we don't see it. So we're not inspecting for it. We'll yeah. let you know if if we see materials that may contain it. Um, but really, to uh, to know for sure, it has to get sampled by a specialist and and taken to a lab. Yeah. So and one of them, as you mentioned, is vermiculite insulation, because that yes. is one. I mean, it's interesting because the goalpost has changed on that one, because for a time um, it was allowed up to whatever it is, one micron per whatever. Some percentage. That's some right. percentage. And yeah. then now it's like 0.5, which basically is any. So if if, if you bump into vermiculite, you pretty yeah. well sure it's going to be asbestos, right? That's right, because there was there was some zonolite um, material that came from different um, different mines uh, back east in the states, um, and, and some of it contained asbestos and some of it didn't. Um, it's my understanding that 98 uh, percent of the vermiculite that we see uh, in inspections buried under fiberglass insulation would yeah. be in fact containing asbestos yeah well that's pretty well everything right pretty much yeah <laughs> and and as you said i mean that's what you're doing is you're grabbing the bat insulation and looking underneath and that's where you'll you'll find that right yeah i mean we're yeah we're just diligently lifting yeah got yeah. it got it we're having a conversation with our show partner pierre Beauvais from silhouette building inspections talking about the big 
four. We just talked about asbestos, things to know about. And of course, the takeaway here is that it requires specialized uh, handling, not only to remove, but also to test and sample. Um, uh, and it's one of those things that consumers needs to know about because asbestos has existed, you know, pretty well in any home up to 1990. Now, if you say, I don't, I want a house that has no insulate, no asbestos at all. Well, what you're left with is you got to buy a house that's 1990 or newer. That's and, what right. that, and what that might mean is going to a different neighborhood, right? Or going to a different area altogether because prices, you know, prices factor in here, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyways, we need to take a, a break here, uh, Pierre. Uh, we'll be back with Pierre Beauvais in just a moment. Back momentarily. Now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Our show comes to you every week with the support of our show partners. Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group. J.P. Sellas, insurance advisor at Westland Insurance. The Sitka Law Group for your real estate, wills and estates, corporate and personal injury needs. And Silhouette Home Inspections with Pierre Beauvais, who incidentally happens to be our guest for the day. We're having a great conversation with him. Uh, if you need help or direction in your real estate transaction, give any of the whole Home Show team members a call. They would love to hear from you. You can find our contact information by visiting cfax1070.com. Look under shows under the weekend. There you'll find us, the whole Home Show with me, Tony Joe. All of our contact information is there. And if you're a podcast listener, just as a reminder, you can find all of our episodes on iTunes or Google Play. Just look for the whole Home Show having a conversation about the big four and what people should be concerned about or thinking about when they're getting a building inspection on their home. Uh, our guest, of course, is Pierre Beauvais with Silhouette Home Inspections. Pierre, again, thanks for coming back. Thanks, Tony. Uh, you, you know, we do need to tamper this conversation with what we started with at the beginning, which is sometimes you don't have the opportunity to have a building inspection a market like this you know, subject to building inspection is still rare. That doesn't mean don't get one done. Call Pierre in advance. If you got five days or seven days to do your due diligence, get a building inspection done. And I'm, I'm going to call this one right now because we have, I have bumped into people on my years that go, oh, but I don't want to spend the $400 because I might not get the, the house, you know, in multiple offers. Well, listen, Mr. and Mrs. Listener, it is the best insurance policy you can ever buy. Spend the money in advance because you don't you want to find out about issues before you write the check as opposed to after. And that's why people like Pierre come in handy, right, Pierre? That's right. Yeah, there's, there's a good saying, Tony. <laughs> the best home inspection is for the home that you don't buy. Mm, I love that. I love it. Okay, because that's another thing too. Listeners might be wondering about, you know, they because I've heard it, I've heard it all. I've heard it all. I've heard people say, well, of course, the building inspector, they're going to want to pass anything because they want more business from the realtors. And, and I I've can't, heard, I've heard that. Yes. And I can say, I need to think about which one it is. I do remember there was a property that you inspected, I think for one of our buyers that, I mean, it just, it opened their eyes and they're like, no way. So, you know, candy coating is not what yeah. a building inspector should do right yeah no no we absolutely not we'd never candy coat no we're working for the house is what we're really doing um we're just uh, yeah we're, we're there and we're just helping you go in with eyes wide open um making sure that you know what you're about to buy yeah absolutely absolutely okay um the big one i want to kind of leave for last 
So, okay. but I, but I want to talk exciting. about. Uh, it's exciting, Tony. It's exciting. You don't, you don't <laughs> even know. I didn't, no, I didn't prep But either. that's okay. I mean, I, this is, this is stuff I love talking about. <laughs> okay. 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 This is an easy one because, of course, this is your, your background. You, you are, uh, you're an electrician before you uh, got into um, building inspection, right? Okay. I know where you're going. Okay. So we're looking at older houses, right? So the two areas that, that insurance companies actually have issues with, number one is sub 100 amp service, electrical service, right? Yes, yes. And the other one is knob and tube wiring on those old mm -hmm. character houses. Yeah. That's okay, so right. tell us tell us about those. There's there's a there's actually another one too that insurance companies are a little wary about and that's uh the aluminum wiring. But let's Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. that's a different topic for a different day. Okay. Let's talk about um sub 100. So sub 100 would be um 60 amp services. So 60 amp services which were common in the day um, those services are, from my understanding, no longer accepted by insurance companies. They're considered obsolete, um, and you would be hard-pressed to get uh, coverage, insurance coverage if you had property with a 60-amp service. Many times um, they can cover, I'm told, but they may give you 30 or 60 days to upgrade. So that's the sub 100, 100 amp services, 125, 150, 200, 400. Those are all acceptable. It's the 60 amp that- Well, especially nowadays too, with all of our devices and everything, we kind of need that power, right? Well, yeah, you do for sure. Um, but you know, you still get the 60 amp service where somebody might bring in gas to the house yeah. and, and then start shedding some of the load off of, uh, you say the stove and the dryer and then start getting a gas appliances, gas, hot water. Um, and then the 60 amp might be enough, but um, in an insurance perspective, it's a risk that they don't, it's considered an obsolete service. Okay. So, and, and then, and, you know, one of those big questions that they'll ask you on, a, on an insurance questionnaire would be, um, when is the last time the electrical system has been upgraded? So, you know, if you don't know what they're really asking is how, how old is the system? <laughs> and, yeah. and so if you have a 60 app there, it's just, um, yeah, it's going to be a no-go. But, you know, all things considered, I mean, the, the upgrade is not a hugely invasive process. I mean, you're looking at a new panel, you're looking at a new mast, you're looking at a new connection to the, to the line outside, right? That's right, yeah. Um, but people you're, often wonder, they, they're like, does this mean that all the wires inside the walls got to be replaced? Yeah, no, not necessarily. I mean, yeah, uh, what you mentioned, that's all going to be upgraded and new, uh, new line to the house, uh, new grounding system, make sure that all the all the piping and all the gas lines are all it's and, and there's many other aspects that I won't get into right now. But um, no, it doesn't necessarily mean that the uh, interior wiring needs to be upgraded as well, depending mm -hmm. on the age of the home. Now, let's jump into knob and tube. So knob yeah. and tube wiring um, is wiring that came out uh, in the late 1800s. And it kind of disappeared um, in the 30s, 1930s, when a single uh, wire came out, like um, that that encapsulated the the neutral and the hot, so the two wire system. Um, it was much cheaper. The cost of labor was going up, um, and it was just much cheaper to to run this wire. So it didn't have a ground. However, that got introduced later in the in the later 40s, 50s. Um, but the knob and tube was actually a superior installation. Um, it was very, very well, it was labor intensive to install because you got um, two lines and they're, they're like a, a foot or more apart kind of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're usually a foot or 16 inches apart. And then the, the tube, actually the insulated, um, ceramic tube that goes through, um, the joists or, or the, um, or, or the sill plates or the headers, um, and then the knob would be if it needs to change directions or it needs to enter into a box. So that's where the knob and tube comes in. Um, 
but the issue was um, that it, it was an earlier system back in the day there wasn't that much need for electricity so you'd be lucky if you had uh, one plug in a room you'd normally would have one receptacle that was ungrounded and you'd have a light um, a lot of the a lot of a lot of the the junction box. Well, they were never they didn't have junction boxes. Normally, they would just run to a switch um, that was just open space in the, in behind the wall, and they weren't grounded. So, um, though it was a superior installation at the time, it wasn't a grounded uh, system. Which today we know that grounding saves lives, um, and there was never enough uh, power. There was never there was only ever one um, receptacle in, in a baseboard or, or something like that. So homeowners would add, and that this is where the risk came in, in, in an insurance uh, perspective, is sometimes receptacles or lighting was added onto that existing old knob and tube circuit that may have not be done professionally um, or, or properly. So uh, a lot of these connections that were done in, in the early 1900s for the knob and tube were twisted, they were soldered, they were rubber taped together, splice taped together. Um, you can't get a better connection then you start adding to that and you maybe you maybe you don't solder it because that was a labor intensive that people sometimes don't do and, you, and your your regular amateur electrician or homeowner wouldn't do that so that's where the risk comes in because now you've got these splices are, that are who knows where that 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 aren't tight they're they're not secure they could be they could be heating up a little bit and, and causing a, a risk so, so this fire. is this kind of i mean touching on the aluminum wiring to because it's all about connections, isn't it? Like the lines it, themselves aren't the th it's it's the connections that are issues, right? In yeah, in this regard, it is the connection, and that's the same thing with aluminum. Is is aluminum when spliced uh, or connected to different metals, then then you can get that um, it, it will it will contract or, or and warm up at different rates, and then that things can loosen up. And then when so, you get loose connections, then you get the heat, and the heat can turn into a fire. Well, the reason why I want to bring this one up, and uh, um, uh, again, quite often in an older house, it looks like the wiring is up to date underneath, but you will find some knob and tube like in an upper floor or something, and insurance companies have issues with this, right? They absolutely do have issues with it, um, and that's where an inspector, a building inspector, can can do, like this is what we do, is we do a representative number of, of receptacles. When we go into a house, we'll test a representative number so maybe not all of them but we can go around and tell you if a, a receptacle has a ground because a knob and tube circuit back in the day they never had that third prong the ground so like you say you can go into a house today and you can see a three-prong receptacle and just assume that it is grounded you can turn on the lights and the lights come on but when you dig a little deeper when you test those receptacles or you remove a cover plate then that's where you can start to see some knob and tube the other issue or the other um, place that you can normally see it is in an attic and that's another uh, reason why the knob and tube wiring is, uh, is, a, is a risk of fire is because now we've got insulation on those bare uh, conductors. Those bare wires uh, now aren't able, to, um, aren't able to, to stay cool. You've got insulation piled on them um, and who knows what else with, uh, with, with connections that may or may not have been done properly. So knob and tube to, um, to an insurance, again, similar to the 60 amp or the asbestos is going to be a, a, an item that needs to be further looked at and, and, and removed or rewired. Got it. Well, we're talking with Pierre Beauvais uh, from uh, Silhouette Home Inspections, talking about the big four. Got to take our last break of the day here. But when we come back, 
We'll be talking about plumbing. Back in just a moment. This is The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. We're having a conversation with our show partner, Pierre Beauvais from Silhouette Building Inspections, talking about the big four. Actually, I think it's more than four because we're talking about a lot of stuff here, right, Pierre? Yeah, yeah there's definitely more than four. <laughs> okay. Uh, that- so, so we talked about asbestos. We talked about electrical knob and tube, a little bit about aluminum wiring, uh, sub-60 amp uh, services. Um, one that I want to touch on is Poly B Plumbing. Let's talk about that for a bit. Poly B plumbing, um, yeah, uh, that's a, that's definitely a, a possible showstopper. Okay. <laughs> and again, an, an insurance hurdle uh, for that reason is 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 why we it's a big one. Um, poly B is the trade name, so Poly B is actually polybutylene. It's a it's a gray supply, like a water supply pipe. That's um, plastic. Plastic, looking. kind of a kind of a dull gray looking pipe. It was used mainly in the eighties, uh, mid to early nineties. Um, in in the beginning of time, when they, when when it when it first uh, came onto market, they used to use plastic fittings. So if they had to change uh, from say one size three quarter inch to half inch, or if they had to make a, a ninety degree t- corner, they would use these fittings, um, and they were a polyacetal or a plastic fitting. Um, in the early generation as well, they used to crimp them um, with a, uh, an aluminum crimp, which were quite problematic. Um, now they have uh, copper fittings and also copper crimp rings. Um, the issue with the poly B, uh, depending on water pressure, chlorine levels, um, how it was handled during uh, installation with if it was stressed around studs and pulled through smaller than necessary holes, um, then you can get stress um, that with higher water pressure and or um, chlorine levels um, that can uh, that can start to deteriorate the plastic, then you get um, like pin, pinhole, uh, pinhole uh, leaks that uh, can be definitely an issue. Um, some of the plastic fittings were failing as well. So uh, again, this, the, the big four that you're talking about, all insurance hurdles, um, mm-hmm. these are good to know. Um, if you have poly B in a house, you're gonna wanna get a plumber to do a thorough evaluation, uh, see what kind of condition, see if it has the plastic fittings. It doesn't necessarily mean that it needs to be removed, but you do need to disclose it uh, on your insurance questionnaire. And insurance will sometimes cause or or, uh, charge you a higher deductible uh, if the cause of claim is due to a burst water pipe or they'll just charge you a higher premium. Um, so when we see a house with Polyby, we just, as a licensed home inspector in British Columbia, we have to let you know that the house would have Polyby. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't buy the house. It means that you need to know that it may come up when you're buying your insurance. So going back to the checklist, going back to insurance, um, you just need to know that you'll be able to get coverage for that house. Um, Polyby for sure is, is one that we see everywhere. Um, there was also another pipe that uh, was around in the 80s and 90s, and that was a, uh, a heating pipe for in-floor hydronic heat, and that yeah. was uh, the orange pipe they called yeah. Kitec. Yeah. And the Kitec again, it would fail, um, and you would get the pinholes. Yeah, and, that, that, and that's that's a tough one because usually embedded in uh, concrete, concrete, right? Yeah. Well, normally, you're abandoning it, and you're having to heat the house uh, some other way. 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the reason why I wanted to bring up Poly B is that seems to be the one that people either forget about or don't think much about because even consumers, they know about the, you know, electrical, the asbestos, the, you know, we'll talk about underground oil storage tank, but the poly B one, because it's not a question on the disclosure statement, like the property disclosure statement asks any problems with plumbing, any problems with electrical, uh, are you aware of any underground oil storage tanks now or in the past, right? Yeah, that's right. Well, and that's, are you aware of any problems? The, the, the issue is you don't have a problem until you have a problem. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. so you have poly B and, and it's tough because it's been in the house for 30, 40 years and it's never been an issue. Um, it could be a ticking time bomb. You just don't know because you don't know the water pressure because if, you, if you're running high water pressure in your house uh, over 80 PSI, um, it's going to put a certain amount of strain on those fittings and on the pipe. Yeah. Um, if you've got higher chlorine levels in, in one municipality or one, uh, or one city than another, you're going to have, it's going to react uh, and behave differently as well. So, you know, if, if you're, if you're in a rural area and you're on a well and, and you've got low pressure and you're actually needing a, a pressure pump to build up the pressure, I probably wouldn't be as worried. Um, I, I might be, you know, um, but but you still want to you still want to get a plumber to hey have a you look know at it. something that I learned in one of my other jobs you know uh, um, on a committee that I serve on I've never heard yeah. about this one before is the there is a velocity going around ninety degree uh, um, turns with water so that that's why ninety degree fittings are 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 you know, I guess they can wear out or whatever, right? Well, they're get, yeah, they're, there's definitely a lot of pressure on them. Um, yeah. And, but again, going back to the way the, uh, the piping was installed, because think back, this was replacing copper, uh, copper piping, which was soldered, which was labor intensive. So when, when this stuff came out, it was in the 80s, it was great. Like plumbers could go, wow, we could, we can plumb, we can rough in a house in, in half the time. So they were, they were happy. They were pulling this through. But if, if again, um, the way it was explained to me, and it makes a lot of sense. If you're if you're putting a 90 degree elbow on uh, where it needs to to, um, to to make a corner, that's great. But if you're pulling that that line, you're pulling that tube, and you're forcing it to make a 90, it's you know it's stressing it when you're pulling it through. But and if it's kinked and you don't realize it, that's going to be an area weak a weak spot. Oh my so, goodness! All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just again, ladies and gentlemen, that is one that is often not thought about. Um, and there, it's a time, right, Pierre? Like the point in time. When when was the? Well, uh, the eighties. The poly B was early eighties, uh, probably the late seventies, and um, you start to kind of disappear out of uh, homes, and then uh, mid mid to late nineties is uh, it got replaced it, with the modern. You know, it makes you wonder though. I mean, you're, we're buying new stuff today, and everything is like, oh, this is you know the newfangled stuff. What is the thing that forty years from now is going to end up being an issue? Yeah, no, it makes it, it, it exactly it makes you wonder what do they put in this plastic that's going to be bad for your health or, or what, what? Yeah, who knows? Who oh knows? yeah. All right, the last one because you can't have the big four without the without a biggie and that is okay all right underground oil storage tanks usts yes, yes. or underground storage tanks um this is this is a big deal um this is not a this is not an item that a home inspector or a building inspector will uh will determine if your home has one um there are signs. Um, there are certain properties based on age that that we know it may contain uh, or may have had at one point. We're we're looking at homes. Uh, any any home before 1965, 
would be a candidate to have a possible uh, underground storage tank. Um, of course, you would need um, forced air heat, so a furnace, um, because if it was a 60s house with baseboard heat, then there probably would have never been a furnace and therefore you probably would never have had an oil tank. Um, and we're also looking for signs. So we're not scanning the property. Um, there are companies out there that do that and that we recommend using for sure, uh, using either metal detectors or uh, radar, ground penetrating radar. Um, but we can look sometimes for abandoned lines at furnaces in crawl spaces or in basements. We can look for fill, uh, abandoned fill uh, pipes in the ground, uh, usually nestled nicely next to roses or in, in the flower bed, <laughs> yeah. uh, and also the vent pipes. So the snorkel. It, yeah. The snorkel, yeah, it was funny because I actually did a, um, a pre-inspection for a client and, and asked him um, if he was aware or if he did a scan before he purchased. He's like, oh, no, no, no. Um, and because I had I'd actually, uh, after the fact, I had seen the, the vent pipe and he goes, oh, no, there is a tank, but, um, but it's inert. And so this is one thing that your listeners need to know is about 10 years ago, so uh, 20, 2008, uh, 2010 and before, it was acceptable, at least in Victoria, um, to render an underground storage tank inert. And they used to, uh, you know, you get a company that would come and they'd locate the, the tank and they would cut the top and they would, they, if there was any sludge, any oil left, they would pump it out and then they would fill it with sand. Um, before they'd fill it with sand, the fire department, the fire, chief of fire would come and inspect it and fill it with sand and render it inert. And then they figured, if it had sand in it, um, there was no way it could, it could hold oil and therefore it was not an oil tank. Um, so, but now that's changed after about 10 years ago, that's changed. So even if you have a tank and it's being rendered inert, it needs to get pulled. Yeah, the municipalities want the metal out of the ground. Uh, they, yeah, they do. Yeah. They, somebody determined uh, somewhere along the line that maybe one of the tanks, um, even after the inspection had leaked and, and so now they want them gone altogether. So even if there is, um, a tank in there they need to go so yeah i mean you can hire a company to do a metal uh, a scan using the metal detector or they can also use the ground penetrating radar to look for anomalies in the ground um and then if they find something that just doesn't look quite right then they can rule it out with uh, with the metal detector yeah you know this this is one and and yeah it's it's it it's an issue because there's all the story about a property in the gorge where a uh, filling company, you know, they were filling a tank and it didn't stop. And it's because the tank had perforated and it was leaking across properties going all the way down to the gorge waterway, which is a fish hatchery. And all of a sudden, we're not talking like a small dollar repair. I mean, there's tons of lawsuits that, that are piled on top of each other there. And that's, yeah. the, that's the nightmare. I mean, most of the time, um, in my experience, when we find an underground oil storage tank, go down, it's okay. No contamination, pull it out few thousand dollars you know what it is two or three thousand dollars um but still it's just it's something to know right yeah i mean i that would be i mean yeah i would never throw a number at it because those two three thousand dollars that's definitely going to be um on the lower end yeah. um obviously it depends off if the property is a sloped property yeah. so could be 50 could be 200 well, could be well, a million really, yeah. you really, well i don't know if it'd be a million but yeah um it's a blank check. So that's the big one. And that's again, why the insurance companies uh, want them gone. Because well, Pierre, so much great conversation. And again, to our listeners here, um, please know there's people like Pierre who are experts in this area. They look at houses every, you look at a number of houses a day, oh, identifying yeah. things. And uh, this is your safeguard 
what, what did you say earlier uh, um, about inspections? Uh, you had oh, a couple of great yeah, yeah, yeah. Your, your best home inspection is for the home that you don't buy. There we go. There we go. All right. Well, uh, thanks for coming on, uh, Pierre. Leave it with that. We'll leave it on that one. Uh, I love it. And to the rest of our listeners, we'll be here for you this time next week.